I mean, I always look back at, at a whiskey and I think to myself, like, where I had that whiskey and I can tell you exactly who I was with, where I was from, right? Because we're all tied to the experience. Long gone are the days of paying for billboards, newspaper ads, and those bench ads you usually see around bus stops. Everyone has the capability to access a world of information right in the palm of their hand. And if you're like me, you're checking your email 50 times a day and getting hit with notifications across multiple social platforms. And there's also a ton of other apps that demand our attention. But as a bourbon brand, how do you capitalize on the digital space? Brandon Smith joins the show to talk about how he is building a digital strategy at Bardstown Bourbon Company. We talk about how to gather data and develop A-B testing to figure out which digital ads work best. But we also talk about platforms and influencer engagement to encompass the whole realm of digital trends. So if you're a bourbon brand, here's your chance to take a few notes. Enjoy this week's episode. And now here's Fred Minnick with Above the Char. I'm Fred Minnick, and this is Above the Char. This week's idea comes from Matthew Kosmeskis, uh, who writes, Why do labels on rye bottles tend to be green or have green accents? No other category seems to have this tendency towards one color. Why rye? Well, Matthew, thank you so much for asking this question. I actually have done a great deal of research into this matter, and a lot of people have various theories, and you are absolutely right. Everybody comes out with a green label when it comes to rye. And I have pinpointed one particular brand from the 1800s and early 1900s that was out and around and promoting itself and touting its green label. And that was a brand called the Trimble Green Label Rye Whiskey and they would be around 10 years old. There were also some Irish whiskey distillers prior to that. And green had this had this kind of like connection to quality that people really liked. And here's a poem that uh, that the Trimble used to use in their marketing. This is from an ad in 1903 in the York Dispatch newspaper in Pennsylvania. The green label. Why? Because it is pure rye whiskey, because it is free from all adulteration, because it is mellow and palatable, because it is aged by time, not artificially. The Trimble Green Label bottling is 10 years old. Well, I guess that wasn't much of a poem, but, you know, these guys were whiskey dealers in the early 1900s. (laughs) Can't be expecting a lot. But so there's a lot of theories out there, but Everything that I have found, it began with Irish whiskey distillers influencing rye distillers and there being a connotation of quality associated with green. Trimble is the first brand that I have found, the first American brand that I have found that basically put their stamp on it. Other people would go around and do it and then it just kind of like moved on and moved on and moved on. And so everybody uses it today. And actually, I got to be honest with you. I like it. I I like it a lot uh, because there needs to be separation from bourbon and rye. And with the amount of people saying something is a high rye bourbon, you know, people like, is that a rye whiskey? Like it is, it is a, 
exhausting having to explain to new whiskey drinkers that a high rye bourbon is not rye whiskey and a rye whiskey is not a high rye bourbon. So I, I like the color delineation because it, it allows people to have a simple yet understandable uh, differentiator on the bottle. And it's the color of green, which also, by the way, was the uh, color of the mighty Jones Longhorns, my uh, my high school in uh, Oklahoma. So go Longhorns. But that's going to do it for this week's uh, Above the Char. If you want to be like Matthew, hit me up on fredminnick.com. That's fredminnick.com. Hit the contact button. And if I like uh, what you send, I'll read it on the air. Until next week. Cheers. Do you ever pour yourself a bourbon, swirl it around, and then start struggling to come up with tasting notes? And perhaps you're also looking for a good Father's Day gift idea. Well, you can now solve both with a kit from Nose Your Bourbon. And unlike other nosing kits on the market, Nose Your Bourbon kits feature real ingredients for the most authentic aromas. You can smell real Tahitian vanilla bean instead of some synthetic aroma that's just made from chemicals. So head on over to noseyourbourbon.com and enter code BP10 for 10% off your order. From their bar to yours, Chad and Sarah of the popular YouTube channel It's Bourbon Night bring you their favorite at-home old-fashioned mix with the new Elemental Elixir's Golden Hour Syrup. It's a custom-made syrup with notes of bold black tea, warm spices, and orange zest. All you need is your favorite whiskey and ice. No bitters needed. One bottle makes 16 drinks, so that's only $1 cocktail before you add your own whiskey. They can also be enjoyed in other cocktails or spirits, mocktails, coffee, tea, and anything you can think of. It's crafted locally in Lexington, Kentucky, and you can get your bottle now at whiskeyambitions.com. And they're off for another Gift 270 2020 Unicorn Raffle. Your $20 ticket gives you not one, but two chances to win from our lineup of 20 Woodford Reserve treasures, including the grand prize, the rarest unicorn yet, the Woodford Reserve Kentucky Derby 150 Baccarat Edition. Only 150 bottles were made and is just like the one the Derby winning owner receives. Quit horsing around and get your $20 tickets now at Give270.org. Charitable Gaming License ORG 0002703. Ed Bly and Rising Tide Spirits are back again with a new release of Old Stubborn Bourbon. And this release of Old Stubborn is a premium hand marriage of 10, 11, and 12-year cask drink, barely filtered pot still bourbon. It comes in at a staggering 123.8 proof. And the flavoring grain for this one, which the last one was weeded, but this time it's now rye. Rich, sweet, and bold with a long finish that's sure to be another eye-opener. You can order online at Sealbox or thebourbonconcierge.com. And you can even purchase in person at Revival Vintage Spirits and even now with very few select stores in Kentucky. You can get it now while you can, but be sure to do it because it's not going to last long. Welcome, everybody, back with another episode of Bourbon Pursuit, the official podcast of bourbon. And today we're talking with a close friend of ours in regards of in the whiskey business, but the first time that we've actually had him on the show to be able to talk about this, but he does work for Bardstown Bourbon Company. He's a very close partner of ours, but we're going to be talking about something that's a little bit different today. And we're going to talk about how brands really look at it from a strategic initiative when it looks at, at marketing in the digital space. We'll talk about partnerships and kind of how all that works. So it's going to be really interesting to kind of see the angle that we all see in, in different aspects of bourbon, but this is going to be looking more towards sort of how business and whiskey kind of really meet in the middle. Yeah, it's interesting because uh, whiskey for the longest time did not want to like 
I guess, accept or utilize this uh, platform and different platforms. And early on, we tried to convince them that the new whiskey drinker is going to be online. And that's where you need to find your new audience and this and that. And But now it's like they're exploding on there and they're and because of that, they're experiencing tremendous growth because they can cheaply get their brand across many different audiences and platforms. And it's super interesting because all advertising is going, but it's really cool to see the bourbon industry not just put a you know a sticker on a bus stop or put an ad in a magazine. You know, it's like they're embracing the new consumer in bourbon, and nobody's doing it better than I feel than Barstown Bourbon Company. They have really pursued you know this avenue and they've really related to the new whiskey consumer about hospitality digital content all the stuff that we're interested in so i'm really excited for today's conversation because this is the space all three of us have lived in so for sure yeah I mean, we, we can talk about it a little bit you're totally right because not to not to dig or say that people that write books aren't important like that's actually a very important part of of our culture but it's shifted so much and the digital space has shown that when you've got things like instagram you've got podcasts you've got tiktok you've got all these different mediums on how you can get out information and it doesn't go through a process that takes six to nine to 12 months of writing a book, getting through publishers, getting through bookshelves, figuring out how you're going to get paid on it. This is something that you can just knock out stuff pretty quickly. But I also think this goes beyond even what we saw. I mean, years ago, blogging was the biggest platform for for quite some time. Now, blogging, of course, is still very valuable today. It's a quick hit way to be able to get information out there. But it's not to say that people sit there and, and live and breathe every single day through reading news articles. People are either scrolling through TikTok, they're scrolling through Instagram, they're looking at Facebook articles or, or anything like that. So there's definitely a change in how the whiskey consumer is actually, and not even just a whiskey consumer, it's just the, the everyday person is consuming media and consuming their information today as well. Yeah, it's it's such a great tool because not only do you get your brand out there, but you get instant feedback of like what's working, what's not okay, I did this and nobody liked it or I did this and they really liked it or we did this offering and everybody raved about it and we can instantly know versus just like putting an ad and we'll, I guess our numbers went up. So it must be to the <laughs> ad, I don't, you know? Maybe it was the ad. Yeah. So yeah, I'm, 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 pumped about this conversation yeah so we'll, we'll bring on our guests and kind of get some more information yeah we're blabbing it. too much we are. sorry brandon we, if we're, we're gonna we would spend an hour just talking about this by ourselves of just theoretical like what ifs kind of thing but the guy over here he knows the data like he knows maybe what yeah works. he's the pro so we'll, we'll talk about this so today on the show we have brandon smith brandon smith is the manager of partnerships and marketing at bardstown bourbon company so welcome to the show Appreciate it, guys. Been a long time coming and super excited to be here. Yeah. And and before we even kind of get into everything sort of whiskey related, I know that, you know, we have we've talked previously throughout the years on on Instagram and stuff like that, because you've got a, a pretty prominent account out there called the Daily Dram. Kind of talk about your introduction into whiskey and bourbon. What made you want to start getting into sort of that that Instagram world? Yeah, you know, it's like anything, right? You just you grab some whiskey with your boys and you just hanging out kind of maybe celebrate something or maybe just hanging out on a Friday night or something. But, you know, that's kind of how the journey started for me. Quickly went into the scotch world, you know, went down the malt category. I had a buddy drinking scotch at the time and I'm like, I don't know anything about whiskey, right? But hey, you drink scotch to celebrate things. So, you know, here we go. Let's do this. And I uh, kind of fell in love with it, you know, and just fell down the rabbit hole for a few years and Japanese whiskeys and drank a little bit of bourbon, but never really fell in love with it right out the gate. And then I had a uh, 2015 Old Forester birthday bourbon and was like, oh, this is good. 
And so uh, ever since then, I was like, wow, okay, I got I just got to find the right ones, you know? And uh, I went down that kind of never ending rabbit hole of looking for the whiskeys and learning about them. And for me, history background, you know, I want to learn about what's in this, what's going on, flavors, styles, brand. You look at a label and you think to yourself, this is, this is legit. You know, you, you instantly have that attraction kind of like a, like a pretty lady, you know, you just, you're drawn to it and then you want, you want to get to know them a little bit. So it's been that kind of a fun journey and, and I've uh, been loving American whiskey. I mean, we, we live in America, right? We got to drink some friggin' bourbon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to disagree with that one, but you were also, you're one of the most interesting kind of like the history of it only because you look at how you get into bourbon, but then what were you doing before you said, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to take my next career. Cause you lived in San Diego, which by far, I don't know why you'd ever move from San Diego to Louisville, Kentucky, because I- He wanted I, four true seasons. And four true Not seasons. just one season all year. One, one beautiful season every year. There's surfing. There's like some really great breweries. You got seafood. You got all this kind of stuff. But you wanted to move from San Diego and kind of take a little bit of a, a I don't know if it was a career shift. Like, I don't know what you were doing beforehand, but you wanted to come and work at, at Bartstown Bourbon Company. So kind of talk about what you were doing prior to that. Yeah. So I, I do miss the golf. I will say that. And I just came back from Mexico this weekend and it was beautiful out there. And I'm, and I'm flying back thinking, man, I'm flying back to like eight degrees right now. This, this is not cool. But that's that's the first time I really thought like, man, second guessing a little bit, you know, but no, I love it out here, man. The people are super nice. It's, it's good to spend time with people in the community and, and uh, you know, guys like yourselves and, and, you know, just I love the community, right? To me, it's all about the community. When I took the career change, COVID kind of just flipped everything upside down. I had a, a wellness boutique doing cryotherapy and holistic pain management, maybe to uh, balance out the whiskey. And then, uh, you <laughs> yeah, know, I was, I'm into uh, that myself. Yeah. Like, what can I do to justify my drinking? Because <laughs> that's, we always, I, I have these conversations with Ryan all the time. I'm like, hey, what are you doing? He was like, I'm at the sauna. I'm sweating out on my demons right now. <laughs> sauna, gotta, hey, life's a balancing supplements, act. Supplements, you know, you know it, yoga, whatever I can do yeah. to just counterbalance. Yeah. It's like a good whiskey, always in balance, right? That's so, right. Um, you know, I was doing that. I was coaching college track and field for three years. Um, I've been coaching athletes and been around sports for the last, really my whole life. COVID kind of just shut everything, you know, NCAA sports got canceled. They, uh, shut down retail businesses in California for a good period. And I thought, you know, what do I want to do? Right? Like, what do I really, really want to do? And so I kind of had a good time to, uh, reflect on that. And I said, I'm going to go explore something I'm super passionate about. I'm going to, I'm going to move to Kentucky. And the opportunity came out and uh, it was really hard to pass up. You know, it was like, I think a month after I initiated conversation and I was in Kentucky. I mean, I drove across the country and got stuck in a blizzard in uh, New Mexico and on a dirt road. And it was quite the ride, but I uh, ended up here, made it out here and then started work on Monday. So it kind of just flew by. I didn't have a lot of time to think about it. It's been full speed ever since. So I'm going to rewind a little bit track and field what were you coaching like what's your sports of choice there so i ran uh you know four by one hundred two hundred meters in college at ucla shout out bruins had a had a pretty good career after that i started coaching tennis i was doing fitness for some elite tennis players i coached three junior national champions and uh then i just kind of was looking for something part-time to do in san diego and and uh buddy was coaching at point loma nazarene university and they were like, hey, we'd love to have you on board. So I started I started working with the short sprinters, 100, 200, 400, both relays. And 
we got third place in the conference championships. So we did all right. That's all right. Yeah. Pretty good. We'll take them the bronze. That's okay. Yeah, you know, it was first year coaching in college. It was a good time. Were you, were you, was that when you were talking about first year, like how many years you said you were doing two or three years of coaching or is that kind of like the, you're one and done? Like I'm, I'm going out on a high here. Yeah. I did two seasons of coaching through competitions and then COVID literally they cut into the sports in the last year. So it was kind of tough. You know, it's like you're trying to mentor, you're trying to be an example and set the tone for people to achieve their goals. Right. And then March 14 came around and they were like, yeah, this is, we're not doing any, any NCAA sports. And it's like, how do you, you know, stand there and, and have to tell somebody that like they're everything you've been working for, for the last year is done and wiped out the rug underneath you. So that was a tough part of it. But I think, you know, it's like, it's like being an athlete, you know, you, you, you put yourself out there or being in business or anything, you put yourself out there and, and you always make yourself vulnerable for, for failure. Right. And to me, that's, that's like the only way you really grow. So yeah, uh, good experience. Exciting times is like when you're you're just on the fringe, you know, like pushing yourself, comfort zone pushing, and it's always yeah good to to reach those new limits. What was it about? Had you been to Kentucky before, or what was it that you were like? I gotta be here. Well, he he ran the Daily Dream for a little bit, so I well, know I'm he, sure he visited. He, like he was he's starting to really get into whiskey at that point. Yeah, but he said American whiskey, and there's 50 states, obviously. That's true, it, and there's yeah. the single malts, and there's everything else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you know, I uh, I came out here in um, October of probably 2019, I believe all the years kind of blur together at this point, but 2019 or 2020 came out in October and actually went to Bardstown Bourbon Company. And honestly, I just fell in love with it. Like October this time of year or that time of year out here was just insanely beautiful. It was fall. The leaves were kind of changing. See, was, he's a foliage fan, Kenny. Nice. I try to get Every time we drive to a bar, I'm like, look at the foliage, Kenny. Look at it. Yeah, Kenny. Come on, Ryan, Kenny. Ryan is Ryan is definitely more in one of the zen of us two because we'll be driving and the sun will be coming up over the horizon and be like, oh my God, so beautiful. I'm like, I don't give a shit. Just keep driving. Like, <laughs> And yeah, the foliage, like he, he really into it. Yeah. We're, we're a little bit I'm different. with you, man. Yeah. yeah. I like it. I like it. I, like, I'm just, I'm just like, oh, all I think about is how many leaves I have to clean up. Like what bagging I got to do this weekend. So yeah, you ruined everything, Kenny. <laughs> I'm living that apartment life. I don't have to do the yard work. Yeah. So, you know, I like it now. That's good. Yeah. You know, the seasons just, it really hooked me. It was so beautiful. And then I, I came out and you arrive at Bardstown Bourbon Company for the first time. You know, you've, you've probably seen dozens of distilleries at this point and you really haven't seen anything like it, you know, and then you meet the team and then it's all downhill from there. I think, um, you know, I, I kind of joke with our team, like this is like the pretty face. And then we have, you know, the whiskey and, and the people behind it that add all that substance and kind of make the experience what it is. And and that, that was really what sold me. And then and, you know, I knew I was like, if I'm going to move across the country and I'm going to leave La Jolla, San Diego, the sunshine, the golf, you know, all of it, right? I got to really want to do this. And uh, the opportunity came up and yeah, I've been having looked back since. So how did that opportunity come up? You had mentioned that you were spending some time reflecting on really what you wanted to do. Were you pitching to Barstown and say, hey, you need me to go and do this? Or did they put up a job description and said, hey, we're looking for somebody? Yeah, I, I wasn't actually looking at the time. I was honestly about to take a sales job in uh, in California and go a whole different route. And then I, I saw them open up this job for digital media manager. And I thought, you know, it's maybe not necessarily what I want to do long term. But I think I have enough experience to bring value in this capacity and and uh, it's a foot in the door. So, you know, interviewed and presented the case and, and literally, I mean, it was two weeks after that, I think that I saw the job posting was like, yeah, we're good. Let's do this. And then I was like, oh, I got to like pack my apartment here. I need to get across the country and start work here like tomorrow, basically. So 
um, yeah, it just all went out really fast. And like I said, foot in the door, wanted the opportunity and it's been far more uh, exciting than I than I thought it was going to be and and been able to be involved in so many parts of the business. You know, you guys know it's a even though it's a big company, I mean, we are a really small team, right? So everyone gets to be involved. We get to do everything. I mean, help Dan Calloway on the products, which is exciting for whiskey lovers like ourselves. You know, you guys are blending your own products now with Pursuit and it's just an awesome experience. It's like a whiskey lover's dream. What was their strategy like when you first showed up? Were you like, okay, they need a lot of help or like, you know, they, they knew what they need they, to do, but did they have a digital, did strategy? they have a strategy? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think, uh, with a revolving team and, and a business that grows so fast, you can, you can have ideas and then they can just be, you know, completely, totally different six months down the road. So I think there's a lot of that, that that's going on and, and, you know, they're growing so fast and so furious. And when I first came in, it was like, oh, he's going to do our influencer management and be our social media guy. And that is just like a very small sliver of what I'm doing now. And that's what I love about it, right? It's like, I, I don't want to sit behind my computer all day long, you know, got to travel a bunch last year and we activated a bunch of events in person. We got to go to, you know, some cool um, Aspen Food and Wine, San Francisco for Whiskey Fest and different events. And, it, and for us, it's like, I love talking to people about whiskey, right? So for me, that's that's one of the most exciting things, but it all relates back to storytelling from the digital side. That's that's what I'm very big on. And, and I feel like Ryan will relate to that. You know, it's all about the sensory and tying people to it and kind of painting that picture. So that that's what's most exciting, I would say, about where we're really focusing this year. Bourbon's, you know, one of those few categories or products that the story is really what sells. You know, the whiskey's great, but people really latch on and connect to the story. How is it like a, you know, like a new brand like Bardstown? Like, how do you create your own story when you're only just like three or four years old? You know, yeah. well, I guess it's older than that now, but five or six years old. As yeah, a business. yeah we're, we're five and some change, you know, as far as our, how long we've been distilling and how old the product is now. Um, so that that's fun, right? Like you, you have a lot of legacy big brands in, in the industry, right? Because it's so deep in that tradition. Um, but as, as a newer brand, we get the flexibility and freedom to kind of create that message, right? So we get to create our story as we go. And I, and that that's a very enticing kind of prospect. We're not limited by these confines that say we have to do it this way because this is what we've been doing, right? We've got to tell the story of our founder. And we had this pastor it. burned a barn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We found grandpa's recipe down, we down the river. trying to get the fish smell out of a barrel. And so we burned it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was etched onto the side of a rock. And uh, yeah. You know, it's, I mean, we have, we have an amazing team, right? So we have like the Steve Nallies and, and what a legend he is, right? I mean, the guy is just one of the nicest man you can ever meet in, honestly, not just in whiskey, but in, in that I've met, he, he reminds me of just like a gentle person. You know, he's just, he's just a, he's the, he's a, he's the grandpa everybody wants to have. Yeah, literally. Right. <laughs> and he's got an amazing whiskey collection, but, but, uh, you know, he's, he's coming up on 50 years this year. So like. We definitely want to honor him in that regard and and you know what a legend he is but that's the thing too is we have such a crazy team of people from all walks of life we have you know dan you guys know dan really well and oh, yeah. and dan calloway for all those that are listening that he's been on the podcast previously as well yeah dan you know he's our vp of product development so he i, I literally say he's like he's like the mad scientist you see in the lab he's just kind of in his dark cave he doesn't have a window and he's just but he comes from you know a music and wine background and he he's very much into that like sensory and experience right and very in tune with that and i think for him it's all about the story as well like how 
to bring it all back on that is is how do we tell these stories we've we've got the collaboration series for us is like i love the collaborations because it's not just another whiskey that's you know your traditional mash bills and it's just you know obviously there's an art of blending in that but these are you know typically somebody that we've worked with and you know we could we could pull barrels from a broker like a lot of people and say oh we we put these in cognac barrels and then we kind of send it on its way right i mean we we truly get to work with these people and put their labels on there and and have a cross collaboration with that and and that's what we are really leaning into this year is is creating those stories and bringing those partnerships to life because they are that they are partnerships and and we want to really highlight the teams and and we'll we'll wait to work with somebody who wants to partner in that regard because we think it's that much more impactful and it's that much of a deeper story to to bring it all back for the consumers yeah you're in a unique situation because you not only do you have your brands you're trying to promote but you also have these great other brands and great i don't want to say influencers but people just like Brad Paisler, for example, or and this is a really terrible example, us. And, uh, <laughs> you know, that you can also like, you know, share their stories along with your stories. And it's all like just like a win-win for everyone. You know, it's pretty yeah. fascinating. Well, and, that, and that's kind of a, you know, you bring up a good point. Like, you know, we we have so many people come through our facility, right? Like we have so many different people that we partner with from the collaborative distilling side to just industry people that want to come out and have lunch or talk to Steve or Marker when our CEO and, you know, Susie Garvin is amazing. Like she, I call her the queen of the South because without her, we would struggle to put product in a bottle and she knows where to get it. She is, she is a bad one. She, she knows awesome. everyone, I call her the mayor. Well, I guess the Queens. I mean, every time I go there, like I just try to go to get lunch by myself, like not, and I'm happy <laughs> to hide in the shadows. Well, I'm happy to talk to you all, but I know how busy you all are, and I don't want to like people to like go out of their way. And every time she's there, and she gets pissed at me because I didn't call her to have lunch with her. I'm like, Susie, I know how busy you are. Don't, <laughs> yeah. you know, don't worry about it. Hey, you got to take advantage if she's in town, man. She she loves it. She lives for it. She she's amazing at what she does. But she, you know, people don't. A lot of people don't know. Like she is an industry veteran, and she's been in the game for decades like she she knows where barrels are and she knows how to get them like that that's what we need and and she's awesome and i think more people need to know her story you know she's she's amazing well we'll, we'll get that story one day but i kind of want to uh, turn the shift and uh, turn the tides over to you a little bit here is when we start talking about like the digital side of things right because i think that's the that's the interesting thing that that i look at and i'm pretty sure that there's probably other brands that try to look at it and say well what are they doing that's so different that we're not trying to capitalize on so when you talk about these different partnerships, like how do you turn that into like a digital strategy? Like what is it to say, all right, we're going to take this and how are we going to get it out to these other mainstream outlets that just aren't, you know, we don't need to pull out a newspaper article. We don't need a, a magazine ad. Like how are you all trying to figure out what avenues you go through it and how you do that? And it's very multifaceted, right? I mean, to have a good digital strategy, you need to know, A, your consumer, right? Who we're talking to, where we find them. Well, let's, and, yeah, let's break that down here in a little bit. So go A, A the consumer. Yep. B, where do we find them? And C, how do we want to communicate what we're, what we're trying to tell, right? So the story, again, it comes back to that. If you look at any of our data, right? Like 95% of people that we communicate with that probably buy a bottle of Bardstown bourbon have a smartphone, right? So you pull up our uh, newsletters, right? And you can look, you look at any email distribution, and you can see if they're open on a desktop or if they're open on a, on a tablet or a PC, right? Or, or their smartphone again. And the numbers are overwhelmingly pointing towards your smartphones, especially when we want to talk about our bourbon adjacent. 
how do we want to communicate with the next generation of drinker? How do we want to make this product exciting for them, right? Because the reality of it is, is it's bourbon, it's in a glass, it's all good for the most part at the end of the day, and some products are better than others, but it's all for me tied back to experience, right? Community, sensory, bringing collaboration together, you know, sitting at the table, having a meal, having having that like full experience, right? I mean, I always look back at at a whiskey and I think to myself like, where well, I had that whiskey and I can tell you exactly who I was with, where I was from, right? Because we're all tied to the experience. So how do we embody that and bring that into storytelling on the digital side, right? This is why I love Instagram so much. I think Instagram's kind of changed it a lot from the algorithm and, and where it was when I first got into it. And you guys, I'm sure as well, you know, it's so long form content focused now with like reels and stories and all that, where a static post kind of get, you know, pushed down and they get buried a little bit. Yeah. Oh, very much so. And, and, you know, that's because Instagram is basically saying, Hey, we are going to incentivize people who keep people on our platform longer, right? It all ranks back to how long are you as a creator or myself keeping people on their platform? And then we're going to incentivize that content and put it in front of people first. So that has to be a bread and butter for everyone. But I think it's also a good thing, right? Because it's a lot easier to tell a story about a product or a collaboration or what you're working on when you have video, right? And you can actually keep people on the platform. They can actually understand the story. They can hear it first time or firsthand. You know, it's like pretty much really hard to beat. You know, we also did our World Stop Whiskey Taster last year. And a lot of that data kind of points to the fact that our consumers and people that are interested in our products are 80%, 85% through social media. And it's direct first form. So first form data or first party data is super important for us as well, right? Like, with Google and Facebook kind of restricting all their their ads and, and the way that you can now buy ads and, and communicate with people, you know, it's you need to have a first party data strategy in place when you're working with your own brand and you're developing out your brand. Because long story, you know, long term, you're not gonna you're not gonna have a, a client journey for your consumer, then they're not gonna be hanging around probably, right? I mean, it's super important to have the first party data and to be able to communicate those stories to them. Well, I want to talk about the data just for a second, because I think that's, I always say that the data never lies. And that's why we have always tailored our interviews differently. That's why we make sure we pivot and try to find new interesting angles that try to keep people interested. And that's why we're always not talking to some craft distiller that only distributes in Pennsylvania, because we know that we need to satisfy the, the larger market. So you had talked about these, this sort of like multifaceted approach when you got in there and you started looking at it, like, how did you all determine the data? Like, how did you determine what your whiskey drinker is or who is a Bardstown bourbon company consumer? Realistically, we, we didn't have a lot of data stored at that time, right? It was kind of very segmented in different locations, you know, it could be through emails or just Facebook and Instagram and kind of how do we aggregate all that data into one place, right? Through like say a CRM or something, right? So developing out a Salesforce platform or, or whatever CRM that you want to use. And then aggregate all that data so you can really get a good picture of who you're talking to, right? Having that is the most important thing because if you can have a real clear muse of who your target demographic is, then you know exactly what that story is you want to tell, right? So we have your brand story, which is what you want to tell and what you want to convey with the consumer, right? And then you have to have multiple ways of distributing that to that person, right? And we all don't hear the same thing, right? I can tell you both the same thing and you're going to hear totally different things. And, and that's the way that consumers are, right? And certain things are going to resonate with those people and certain things are going to resonate with others. So again, I think it's so important to have, you know, multifaceted, but 
it's also a lot of A and B testing, right? If you if we want to send out an ad and we want to spend money on Facebook ads or anything of that nature, we're going to probably send out at least two or three different ad sets. And then we're going to say, okay, this one worked better here. This one worked better there. And we're going to, again, take that data. We need useful data, right? And then we need to go forward with catering our strategy for it. I think a lot of people are trying to figure out, well, I'm getting X amount of impressions and my reach is Y. Okay, but what does that tell you? Where are those people coming from? What's their age? What's their income? What do they like? People need better data. And I think that that's what every brand is really trying to figure out right now. So what kind of content or stories is, you know, from the data that your, I guess your demographic is drawn towards or what have you found found successful that this is like something that they really engage with? If you're anything like me, then you can't get enough about bourbon. And that's why I'm a subscriber to Bourbon Plus magazine. Bourbon Plus is a quarterly publication that tells the stories from the heart of bourbon. The farmers who grow the grain, the distillers who labor over the process, and the people like you and me who raise their glasses to celebrate it all. Subscribe to Bourbon Plus magazine today at bourbonplus.com, that's P-L-U-S dot com, and use code PURSUIT at checkout for $5 off your subscription. Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point-of-sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify's point-of-sale is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that effortlessly unites your in-person and online sales into one source of truth. Track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. Connect with customers in-line and online. Shopify helps you drive store traffic with plug-and-play tools built for marketing campaigns from TikTok to Instagram and beyond. And get hardware that fits your business. Take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point-of-sale system, or use Shopify's point-of-sale Go Mobile device for a battle-tested solution. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash bourbon, all lowercase, and go to shopify.com slash bourbon to take your retail business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash bourbon. So what kind of content or stories is, you know, from the data that your, I guess your demographic is drawn towards or what have you found, found successful that this is like something that they really engage with and not and to give all your secrets. Okay? Yeah, this, this <laughs> give is a, a little secret. It, yeah. It's kind of something where, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a catch. Like, well, well for me, like I, with Instagram, I don't like the static posts. I love the stories. I feel like I'm in, I'm there with somebody, you know, when they're doing something and I enjoy that aspect of it's it. so funny. You like that. I'm like anti, like I would rather do a static post because it lives on forever versus a story that, that only, that's what I don't only, like. Only that has it, like a 20 hour life dissolves. I don't like that dissolves, but I like it in the moment, I guess. That sounds like reels is going to be a play for both of you guys. Yeah, well, it's long form and it's yeah, yeah. reels. I don't like the, <laughs> the goofy dances. Well, I mean, I think the reels is it's a little bit different. We'll get into that a little yeah. bit, but I mean, we see a lot of stuff that just ends up getting like regurgitated from TikTok that ends up on reels and stuff like that. But not to t- steer away from the conversation, what was your question again to Brandon? Well, my question is, is what kind of content do you find most people are relating with and resonating with? 
for a brand, I think is is totally different than say like a person, right? So for for me, for instance, uh, they're they're probably wanting to know my opinion on a whiskey, or they want to know, you know, get a little behind the scenes of some kind of experience that's unique to the industry. Whereas if you're a brand, I think people feel most connected to the people. So it's really important for us to have a, a strong cast of characters and know who we want to put in front of people for certain things, right? So if we did a whiskey tasting, for instance, right? Maybe it's a it's a bunch of guys that might be super interested in the nerdy distilling side of it, right? So maybe it would be something we'd put a, a distiller in front of them, right? Or maybe if it's a, you know, a wine group that is trying to figure out how to get into whiskey a little bit more than, you know, Dan would be a great person to do that, right? So it's identifying and, and again, you have to know what you're getting yourself into, right? So if, if we know that we're talking to, say, 25 to 35 consumer I know the ASMR stuff is really, really popular right amazing? now. It's and amazing how ASMR, it's popular. What's that? It's it's when you talk in the microphone like this, and people like you. Let's if I can you get, get like oh, hold on, hold on. Let me, let me get a cork pop real quick. Hold on. <laughs> yeah, that's ASMR. Oh, okay. Yep. And then it's cut. You know, it has that kind of. You see it. You hear it. It's very sensory. It's, you're very kind of drawn into it. That's really trendy right now. But I think again, for a brand, right? This is, is it on brand for us still at the same time, right? And and this is a conversation that we always have is, is it on brand? Do we want this to be what we're doing right now? And I think for a personal page, totally cool to do that stuff. If you want to do more brand centric stuff, maybe, but how do you do it tastefully and how do you do it on brand? So I think there's different points and different angles to look at all of it. But again, I think knowing trends, right? Knowing what's hot in the industry. And then again, bringing that to light for the consumer. I think you, you actually hit on a, a point that I wanted to bring up is, is how do you follow trends from, I listened to a few different other podcasts out there and, and notably one was Gary V and he talked about basically this, this whole idea of bringing other people on and how you look at other things like NFL and how they follow trends and whether it's on TikTok, whether it's on Instagram, like how do you all decide on, on how to follow a trend? And if I remember correctly, there was this it was like by Chipotle, it was their CMO that said, we were paying attention to TikTok as a platform for almost two years before we actually posted our own video because we were just waiting for the right time to actually figure out like, okay, like now this is something that we can make and it could go viral. We just don't want to just hop on a trend and just be another thing. But how do you all determine what is something that you want to hop on and be a part of? Well, we have that conversation every single week to be super clear. Like that, that is a revolving conversation. I mean, it could be, you know, we actually have that exact conversation too every week. Like, do we want to be on TikTok as a brand? Maybe, maybe, but how do we do that in the right way with the right rules in place? Because we are a spirit brand, right? Like we're not, we're not making burritos and, and, uh, you know, rice and chicken bowls. So <laughs> booty dances. Yeah. Hey, you know, but you can do that with a burrito. I, I've seen, you know, you know, the bourbon too. I've seen Kenny do that on his reels before, but yeah, don't right. you worry about me. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think, it, again, it all all ties back. Do we want this to be indicative of our brand, right? And and the brand over everything else, because we are all representing the brand. That's that's what pays the bills. That's what we are developing and fostering and trying to create, right? So you know, I think with TikTok, it's it has its red flags for us, right? Younger audiences, you know, do we want to be associated with that? But also long term, I would imagine at some point we'll explore. They're all going to become whiskey drinkers at some point. <laughs> They're all going to be, right? Eventually, yeah. They eventually would. And, and realistically, you talk to any of these influencers nowadays anyways, and most of them are on TikTok and they're all going to say, well, we'll uh, give you this 
content and we'll house it on three different platforms. You're going to get Instagram, YouTube, and it's going to go on TikTok. So it's it's like a third value add, right? So I'm sure a lot of our brand is out there on TikTok. It's just not coming from us specifically. So again, is it on brand? How do we do it the right way? And it's not necessarily just had to be TikTok because TikTok trend is still a little bit different than sometimes of, of a different social media trend and stuff like that. But how often does does a trend typically last in your opinion that you say we have, because you said like we meet every single week, like how long do you have to actually react to something before the trend is just stale? I think the best strategy is always sitting back and watching, right? Like not talking about something and actually sitting there, watch it, look at, see how it functions, right? It's like the best coaches, like they're not sitting there in your face saying, you need to do this and you need to do all those things, right? And you need to do it this way. Like, yeah, there's a lot of that. But the best coach or the best teachers, they sit there, they listen, they watch, they observe. And I think there's a lot of that that we do. And we say, for instance, like, you know, we we're kind of, you know, teetering with the idea of NFTs, right? And there's a lot of brands that are talking about NFTs right now. And again, it all comes back to how do we do this and make it work for our consumer? How do we make this program be effective and how do we entice it with the right incentives, right? Those are all all conversations that we have, you know, and, and again, the NFT is a trend, right? Who knows how long it's going to last? I mean, it could be crypto was a trend, quote unquote, when it first got going and look how long it's been around and look 10, how long years later, according to Gary Vee and Kenny, it's, and yeah, we, it's going to be the next big, you should have bought Bitcoin when it was a hundred dollars <laughs> a piece, right? We, yeah. all, we wouldn't have to be sitting here right now. That's, that's, that's what it comes down to. So I got a question. You mentioned that, you know, your brand is on these platforms, maybe not through you, but through someone else. So like, do you find more value in somebody, you know, like with your partnerships, to, do they create more value to your brand by them producing the content for you or from you all producing the content from your brand? Like an influencer. Right. A brand exactly. Strategy. Yeah. I think it's two part, right? I mean, if we create that product or the content as a product, we get to obviously have rules and styles and feel and look and everything that, that it feels on brand with us. But it, there's also the other side of that is it's much more organic for somebody else to provide feedback or or their opinions on it because they're the trusted person in their community, right? And and we want to give this product to somebody, but allow them to speak organically about it. We're not going to give them a product and say, you know, hey, and you have to say X, Y, Z, right? Here's your that's script. Completely yeah. like that's not that doesn't do anything for either one of us, right? Um, and at the end of the day, if it's like somebody we're working with, like we want them to be a partner as well. And we want them to be someone who's passionate about our brand. Most importantly, like we're not going to say, oh, you have a million followers. Uh, you know, let's just give this person a bottle of whiskey and we'll pay them X amount of money and, and they can say whatever they want. Right. The reality of it is, is we can give a bottle of whiskey to practically anyone. Right. And most of them are going to really enjoy a bottle of whiskey. But what's more impactive is to bring someone out to our facility, to let them see the Bardstown Bourbon Company experience, to let them meet the people behind our team, to get that full, you know, encompassing experience. And then they have a real deep connection and understanding to our brand. That realistically is going to make a more passionate advocate for us than to just send people whiskey. And we definitely do send people whiskey, but we definitely identify people. And I always say, you know, experiential over, over anything transactional, right? Like let's bring them out. Let's host them. Let's have these people truly see it. And, and as you guys know, right, it's an amazing experience. That's well, what keeps is, us coming know. back. Cause if you send us whiskey, there's a good chance it's going to be on my floor. <laughs> <laughs> we'll drink it. We'll, we'll drink it, it eventually. But who, knows, but who knows how much we'll talk about it, but you make a great point. Like 
coming to the facility, seeing everyone, it, it you know, we're kind of in a Seth Godin talks about connection economy is like the new wave of a consumer, you know, because we have option galore, you know, it's like you go to Total Wine and you could, I mean, hell, even Kenny's Bar, you know, there's so many damn options you can't choose, but, you know, when I go to a store, you know, I see Barstown and I'm like, I know Danny, I know, you know, everyone there. It's like, I've heard I, about them. I know their story. It's like they gave me pork rinds one time and some poutine. It's like, <laughs> they're, they're my boys and girls, you know, I love it. Yeah. It's so important. We, you always want to foster the experience. It's like if someone might come into the VE, you know, the visitor experience center and, and our visitor team's like full doing the tour stuff, I will happily hop on a tour and show them a VIP experience around our facility because no matter who it is, I want them to feel like they're at home and I want them to leave with that experience because that's our opportunity to make that impression, right? And that and that goes across everyone. So I got another question you had mentioned earlier about you manage a lot of like whatever the, the influencer market looks like and you're making note of like, oh, okay, these people are starting to make a rise. These people have this many followers. These people are doing this. There's this all idea of the micro influencer strategy versus the macro and for anybody that's interested kind of knows about like brand is the daily dram you've got 50,000 followers something so like 47 or so 40, okay around i mean we're around the same 50 55 those and, and in whiskey world i mean that's that's fairly substantial like that's pretty big but you've got a lot of the people out there that are in the one to four thousand category and so most people think that it might be more beneficial to say well i'm gonna go ahead and i'm gonna target and send more bottles to these smaller brands instead of it's kind of going for or mul you, multiple fish rather than the big whales or you go like someone who has millions of followers that's like in a cross something that's similar oh that, like fashion or or just whatever. say like somebody's a barbecue person who has millions of followers but you know people drink whiskey and barbecue you know so it's like you know how do you pick you know what's the best return on investment in that regard? yeah so anywhere from the two to million <laughs> follower like where do you where do you all try to or not even you but how how would you as, a, as somebody that's trying to figure out like a digital strategy try to figure out like where do we place our bets mm -hmm. through here yeah well you know the budget is uh the north star right you gotta you gotta have that <laughs> in place and have a really clear idea of what that looks like and then kind of work backwards but uh you know for us and you know what i believe in personally is you know i kind of took that project on, developed it out over the course of last year. And for me, you know, I think that we really communicate well with the bourbon consumer, right? Like the bourbon consumer, plus or minus, predominantly has probably heard of Bardstown in some capacity at this point. They might have read an article because we had a, you know, write up in a certain publication or an influencer or YouTube, you know, kind of all those channels. But again, we talk about this at nauseum almost. It's like, who is our muse, right? The bourbon adjacent, and Ryan, you kind of touched on this, is like, maybe it's a barbecue person, right? So I brought out a bunch of food and barbecue influencers last year who are just, you know, they're killer chefs, right? But what's better, right? Like barbecue and having having some bourbon with friends, like I, I can't think of a lot of better things than that, you know? Or maybe it's a beer drinker who who might like our founders collaboration that's coming out, right? So, so I kind of allocated about 70% of our budget to communicate with the traditional audience. And then we have buckets of, you know, 10% in bourbon adjacent categories. Maybe it's food, maybe it's beer, maybe it's wine, maybe it's lifestyle like cigars or fashion, right? So it's kind of segmenting that out and then implementing that strategy from there. And then from once I have those categories, I'm going to look at these people. I'm going to create a short list of people that I want to identify to work with. And then I'm going to gauge all their interests before I even make a 
like, hey, we'll give you X amount of money to do this, right? Like, or how about, you know, let me bring you out to the distillery and I might not pay you, but I'll show you the most amazing time of your experience or your life if you come out and have this experience, right? And then again, we're not transactional, right? We're really working with somebody trying to foster that experience. And and that's, again, that's a long-term plan, right? It might not you know, yield what you want tomorrow, but you're hedging a bet that this is going to be someone that will represent, maybe come out, maybe buy your product either way, whether you pay them or you don't pay them, or maybe they just get really fired up on the experience and they're like, that is an amazing brand. And then you have someone who's truly advocating for for what you're about. And that that's really where we focus our energy. So I got a question. You brought up some good points there because like, say I have a product and I'm on Instagram or Facebook and I'm promoting it selling ads but i it's something they can buy you know then and there and i can see like how much return on investment i'm getting through you know an ad or this or that you know it's different in alcohol because they're having to go to a store or third-party vendor to buy it what is your like goalpost or measuring sticks to say like you know this is working we feel like this is i mean obviously your sales are growing but you can't really tie it back to that particular campaign or strategy or this or that how do you kind of like say you justify, you know, what you're doing. How do you know what's successful? How do you, right, how, yeah. do you how do you measure success? Yeah. Oh, well, you are now you're getting in the weeds with me here. Um, you know, that is literally something we talk about every week. And again, like it's how do we get better data? How do we get a better understanding of these of our consumer, right? I mean, again, it comes back to okay, well, we generated this many impressions and this much reach and we got this many click-throughs, right? But we don't have a way to direct consumer, right? And that's just the nature of the alcohol industry, as you guys know. And, and uh, you know, we believe that the dominoes are starting to fall and, and you're going to start to see more of this, right? So our strategy is is largely like, how do we have the infrastructure in place to also be ready for when that happens? And then we have everything we need to truly direct consumer, or maybe it's have, you know, a certain API that plugs in on the back end of our preferred online retailers. Who's willing to partner with us and give us useful information so we again know who we're talking to because if we're just going off impressions like you're right i mean there's no way to tangibly say like this converted to this and here's our true roi right so i think every brand is trying to figure this out i don't think any one brand has truly found this formula out and said like hey we we do this better than anyone and we're just absolutely killing it in this space right now like show me you have this data and I will be very surprised that that you have this at your grasp, right? And and honestly, like some of these big conglomerates, they might have some because it's it's filtering down through, you know, their family, their umbrella companies that have this data that's then being kind of siphoned through their channels and say, hey, well, we got this from our fashion company or we got this from our beer company or our wine company or, you know, all these other brands that might be under their umbrella. And then they say, okay, well, we can use this data and assume X, Y, Z, right? Yeah, that's one of the things that we we end up doing a lot with the podcast and talking to some of our sponsors and partners and stuff like that is, is we didn't say, like, we're, I cannot guarantee that we are going to convert people to being purchasers. However, with repetition, you have brand awareness. And that is really cognizant because I can't tell you how many times that we've had people have told us me like I bought a bottle because I was sitting at the liquor store and I looked up and I said, you know what? I heard them on Bourbon Pursuit. I'm gonna go ahead and I'll give this a try. And I think that's just one of those things that, yeah, it's today it's really hard to kind of look at it because we've got a long time until, you know, direct to consumer shipping really comes into play where you could say, okay, now you're here. Maybe you're in the, your podcast app and the 
ad just shows up and you click a button, you can go and just purchase automatically. And it's all connected to your Apple Pay or, you know, wallet or whatever it is. So we got a long time until that happens. But today, it very much is just sort of that brand awareness kind of stage. Yeah, I'm sure you guys are experiencing a lot of this right now, right? I mean, it's hard. It's hard to build a brand. And and again, brands are built off of experience and and tying products to the story. And I think we've got this this uh, West Virginia Great Barrel Company sample that we should try to. Actually, like you guys I just had my first it. sip of it, and I was like, "Oh, that's actually really good." Oh, you know, and yet I was and waiting. I was waiting for this intro. There you go. Yeah, kind of, kind of, kind of dive into it. You want the story first, or what do we what yeah, do? Yeah, a little story. Do a little story. story. Okay. Yeah. So uh, it's a new collab we're working on, right? And Dan spearheading this one as he does with all of his, he's very passionate about this. But, you know, we went out to West Virginia Great Barrel Company and have you guys been out there yet? No, keep we going. haven't been invited. Highly recommend. Haven't been invited. A, <laughs> haven't had the experience yet. <laughs> they are the most, they're like us in coopering form. Like they're, they're all automated. They're, you know, 100% infrared toasted on their barrels. Super modern as far as what they it's do. infrared like in the sauna, you know, they say infrared's like, it's like heats from the inside and out versus outside in or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's just different spectrum that, yeah. that you know, goes essentially inside out. It's a deeper uh, level that kind of penetrates through the surface levels of of what it is. But it's also far more consistent. It all ties back regards. to the health and wellness but, you know, space. <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah. Love, sweat it out, man. That's right. Uh, but the um, they're more consistent as well, right? Obviously, you go over a flame or a toast; it's it's got flames. It's it's a little bit more inconsistent. But with the with the infrared, is um, full spectrum all the way through it. They've even done a collaboration, uh, you know, with um, I'm blanking on the university out there, but um, Marshall, 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 I believe. Marshall, yeah, okay. we are Marshall. Exactly, great movie. And um, they're showing that they're far more sustainable and actually helping deforestation by their philosophy of how they're, you know, selecting trees and, and whatnot. So it's, it's a really cool facility and, and we're going to West Virginia in April. We need to, there you go. They're well, like right next to the Greenbrier. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> we'll be there too. So there you, go. You, pop in. you guys are bougie. I know it. So again, uh, blue, up. bluegrass bougie, <laughs> but you know, talk to Dan, we'll get you set up out there. Right. But, the uh, nose on this is incredible. Yeah. Yeah, it's really so good. what's really cool about this is I am very fortunate to kind of see the evolution of it, but it's a bunch of just different cherry wood toastings with different mash bills of, of whiskeys that we got to kind of play with of along the evolution, right? And then kind of gave an idea of what type of whiskey do we want to put in these barrels? I mean, it's over a hundred barrel collaboration that will be distributed uh, nationally. Like a collaborative steering, it will say West Virginia Great Barrel Company on it. So again, somebody who actually wants to partner, they want to allow us to tell the story because it's more exciting. It's more, you know, again, it's not us just slapping a Bardstown Bourbon Company label and saying, finish in cherry barrels. So these are zebra barrels. So it's actually two to one cherry to American oak. So the barrels look awesome, but the flavor is so, so crazy. This is a 95.5 rye in here. And it's- oh, Wow, it's just, I would have never- I would never have guessed a 95.5. Yeah. No way. I yeah, mean, it's crazy, right? Yeah. Dude, there's so, it, there's so much fruitiness on it. Like it's, it's out- like the cherry note is very pronounced. I thought it was like a weeded bourbon, you know, or something. Yeah, uh, that's literally, and the it's oak. really just amplified from the that wood. Yeah, yep. So, I mean, as a partner of yours, I'm really mad we haven't got. <laughs> well, we no, we figure this one out. Yeah, <laughs> I'm totally kidding. <laughs> we need a, we need a few barrels ourselves now. Yeah, I'm sure we could work something out. <laughs> but you know, again, it's like that comes back to the exciting storytelling that we get to lean into, right? Like. We want to be able to create the story. We want to convey this. So, you know, 
we've we've been out to their facility. We'll go out more um, in the springtime when they chop down some more trees and get some content of of the process. And and we can kind of show this experience all the way through, right? Like we're going to be in Ireland. We're going to, you know, we've got a really cool distillery collab going. Like we get to go work with their team and Irish distilling legends. And we get to capture all this content and bring it back to the consumer, right? It's It's like deepening that connection to the products versus us just saying, hey, well, you know, these products are going to sell because we're XYZ brand, right? And, you know, they'll they'll buy them. But if we actually create the story and take the time to foster that and nurture the relationship and the partnership with who we work with, it's it's more of a partnership in true, right? And and I think that that's where we place a lot of emphasis as a team and and it's not cheap. It is an investment that we make and and you know, you know, talk about ROIs and and what we do with our spending and our media. I mean, we, we feel that's a better ROI for us because it gives us that true story and, and the true partnership that we can convey. I also look at this as a, a continual innovation that you all are doing as well. It's not just resting on laurels or saying, hey, we produce a great 70, 18, 12 mash bill that we can just kind of you know scale from here. It is continually trying to find ways to find new bourbon consumers to try to reach out into different avenues as well. So if I had to break this down and saying like, what's the playbook? It's, you know, establish the partnerships, look at the data, and then communicate the data and try to kind of blend all three of those together. That's that's exactly the, the multifaceted yeah, approach is tie them all together, take what you have and kind of wrap it up with a bow, right? So for sure. Well, cool. Brandon, thank you so much for coming on today and sharing your experience and everything like that. I think I learned a few things today. It's one of those things that's it's interesting to kind of hear your all's take on sort of like where do you see social media trending and like how do you decide where you're going to invest the time and everything like that too, because that's it's a it's a moving target all the time. Because as you had mentioned, there's different platforms that cater to different audiences. We talked about the macro versus the the micro influencer realm, and it's just interesting to kind of hear how you all decipher and try to figure out where do we spend our investment into these people, and and how do we make it the best experience for them. So it was really interesting to kind of hear how all this kind of came together. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on and agility, man. Be flexible. Right? Yeah, <laughs> and, and everything changes by the week, right? It's it's nothing that you're like, oh, I'll create a, a a three year plan and we'll just stick to it. It's like the Kentucky weather. Oh, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> changes by the day or That's by it. the hour. Yeah. So, well, we had already mentioned earlier uh, your handle, but I'll let you kind of tell people where they can follow you and how they can learn more about you and you know some of the where they can get that VIP tour. Yeah, how do yeah. they do that too? Yeah, reach out to me, uh, the Daily Dram on Instagram, and uh, you know certainly follow us, Bardstown Bourbon, Bardstown Bourbon Co. Excuse me, and uh, you know love to show you guys around and love to see you guys out there and. We'll get you some poutine while you're at it. Ooh, there you go. Can't that, go wrong with the poutine in a barrel-aged Dan Calloway special that, Manhattan or Old Fashioned. Ooh, it's that's hitting home right now. But make sure you do. You follow him, follow Bar, Bar Sound Bourbon Company. Remember the Daily Dram on Instagram, but also Bourbon Pursuit on Instagram. We're also on TikTok, but we're also on Facebook and Twitter and a few other places. But also, if you do like what you hear, make sure you leave us a review. If it's good, if it's bad, uh, leave the bad ones aside. We only like good ones, but I'm just kidding. We actually read every single one. We take them all to heart. We try to make the show bigger and better every single time for you all. But with that, cheers, everybody. We'll see you next week.